Warning, this show may contain adult content, language, and humor, and is intended for mature audiences. If that's not you, please stop listening now. Nothing you hear on Sex and Science Hour is intended as medical advice, financial advice, legal advice, therapy, or really anything other than entertainment. Please take everything you hear with a grain of salt. Oh, and if you're hearing us on an affiliate network, the ideas and views expressed on this show are not necessarily those of the network you're listening on or of any sponsors or affiliate products you might hear about on the show. Now that all that's out of the way, let's start the show. This is Sex and Science Hour with Brian Sovereign and Dr. Stephanie Murphy. Get your freak on. Welcome to Sex and Science Hour. Happy, happy night, everybody. Yeah, whatever night it whenever is. Whenever you're listening, <laughs> you know, we may be recording this at any time. You really never know. Yeah. Uh, but I don't want that to throw me off my game too much because we've got such a good show for you all tonight. I am so excited about this. Sleep versus exercise. What should you prioritize if you're short on time? The worst thing about mo- modern dating, multi-part breakups when you have to unfollow the person from social media and all Oy. that stuff. How do you talk to teenagers about sex and a sex toy review? All that's coming up on the show. So you want to stay right. tuned. But first, we have an article about the secret sexual history of a workout that you may not have even known was sexual. I, I just like the sound of secret sexual history. Like, I know. I, it's intriguing, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that just, I'm, I'm hooked. Actually, secret history is enough, but but sexual, and I'm just... I uh, knew you would like this one, Brian. Yeah, I what picked can I it say? just for you. Let's do it. <laughs> this is from The Cut, and it's by Danielle Friedman. So, Brian, have let me ask you this first of all. Have you ever heard of the bar style of workout? I think so. Bar is spelled, by the way, B-A-R-R-E. Right. Pronounced bar. Yeah, yeah. It's like, it's kind of like a little bit like Pilates, um, but it's it's got like, it usually uses a ballet bar, mm-hmm. you know, that you hold on to in a ballet class and you do first position, second position, not with your body and not like a sexual position, but with right. your feet, you know, right? <laughs> you pervs. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and it's heavy on the butt workout. Like it, it really, I've done a couple of bar classes and they make your butt hurt. They really work the outer thighs and the, the inner thighs and the abs. So, and, so yeah. how, how long has this been around? It's been around since I guess the nineteen before the seventies, nineteen seventies. Okay, so I think at the very nineteen fifty nine. Sorry. Ah, okay. Yeah. Well, even better. I was I, trying to find the exact. Yeah. Year. So where I think I've I've seen this and mm-hmm. heard of this, the in the very beginning, the very opening of one of the greatest movies of all time, but certainly one of the greatest and most uh, award winning documentaries of all time, uh, Pumping Iron. From Whoa. 1977, Feels like you're coming I think. day and night. That's the most famous line from that. Probably, document. yeah. <laughs> um, or when Arnold's, you know, smoking a joint, whatever. But uh, <laughs> in the beginning of that, him and Arnold and his buddy Franco Colombo are 
they're 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 doing like ballet in the beginning, but it's not ballet. I think it's that. It's bar. <laughs> yeah, it's bar. So anyway, so here's history. the secret history. Lottie Burke, who was Bar's creator, was a free love revolutionary who began teaching the workouts in 1959, specifically because she wanted to advance what she called the state of sex by encouraging women to pursue sex for their own pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> that was her goal. I, I mean, I think that's a great mission statement for starting a business. What don't more you? goal of a, goal in life do you need? I mean, that's <laughs> that's perfect. All right, yeah, keep going. And in the post sexual revolution 1970s, women's magazines pitched the workout as a way for women to do just that, or as Cosmopolitan put it, build sexual confidence and competence. What today has become a mass commercial fitness trend, a straight-laced subculture in which butts are called seats, was once a radical, decidedly erotic practice. <laughs> Burke was a German-Jewish dancer who fled the Nazis for London after they per- forbade her from performing. Originally, she invented the workout that would become bar to recover from a back injury. Over time, she found that her special combination of ballet, yoga, and rehabilitative exercises helped her not only heal and hold on to her dancer's figure, but also get more pleasure from sex. And sex was important to her. As her daughter, Esther Fairfax, told the author of this article in a phone interview, sex came into everything she did. She felt sex. You felt sex from her. Wow. (laughs) Right. I like this woman. I mean, this is my kind of... Totally. Yeah, okay. After refining her workout, Burke opened a small basement studio on Manchester Street and soon attracted a celebrity clientele from legendary Irish writer Edna O'Brien to Bond girl Britt Eklund. From the start, Burke's classes and her sex life were intertwined. She talked about her love affairs while she taught. She named her exercises The Prostitute and Naughty Bottoms. (laughs) One move was simply called The Sex. All right. (laughs) Perhaps most famously, she is rumored to have told clients, if you can't tuck, you can't fuck. And her clients loved her for it. And that means if you can't tuck your pelvis. Right. I mean, and that makes sense. Sure. Got to be able to rock that pelvis around. This was nothing short of radical. In the 1960s, the modern fitness industry was still in its infancy. And the few regimens that existed prioritized finding and pleasing a husband, explains historian Shelley McKenzie, author of the book Getting Physical, The Rise of Fitness Culture in America. Ooh, that sounds like an interesting book. Mm -hmm. Burke encouraged women to please themselves, an attitude that complicated and contributed to the brewing sexual revolution. This was very, very different, Fairfax, now 83 and living in Berkshire, England, told me of her mother's studio. It liberated women to show them I can be sexy as well. It's not just the men that want sex. Then, about a decade after the first studio opened, a plucky Midwestern globetrotter named Lydia Bach found her way to Burke's studio. Bach became hooked and saw the potential in bringing the workouts to America. She bought the rights to franchise and in 1971 opened the Lottie Burke Method Studio on 67th Street and Madison Avenue in New York City. Holy shit. Her client list included a a slate of the era's stars, love story actress Allie McGraw, Candace Bergen, and famed book editor Nan Talese. In New York, Bach carried on Lottie's legacy of sexual frankness into the workout. In a 1972 New York Times article about the studio, Bach described the method as a combination of modern ballet, yoga, orthopedic exercise, and sex. (laughs) In her 1973 exercise book, Awake, Aware, Alive, Bach devotes the entire last chapter to sex. All of the exercises in this book are important for sex, she advises. The press was all over this angle. Cosmopolitan gushed in the headline, Exercise Your Way to a Better Sex Life. 
So what changed? Why do they tell bar instructors now that they can't talk about the sexual aspect? Well, eventually, as the wider culture shifted, so did bar. From the mid-1970s and the 80s, with the rise of women's liberation, the idea that women enjoyed sex became less revolutionary. For entrepreneurs, selling visible muscles and physical perfection became more lucrative. Jane Fonda brought aerobics to the masses, and co-ed gyms became more popular. Americans started to view their bodies more like machines. The Lottie Burke method did make women strong very fast, says Burr Leonard, who began taking classes in the studio in the early 80s. And so as the studio doubled down on that, oh, sorry, and so the studio doubled down on that. By the 80s, uh, Leonard explains in a blog post, the innocent idea that sex could be a path to freedom and enlightenment had run its course. Women had tasted strength and realized there was more to exercise than sex. So they're saying that basically the... The rise of fitness culture with, you know, Jane Fonda and Arnold Schwarzenegger, I'm sure, contributed to that. Sure. Um, you know, basically killed the sexual aspect because it was more about having a hard body than being sex sexually liberated. Uh, yeah, I, I, I could see that. And in fact, you know, I mentioned Pumping Iron. There was there was a sequel to Pumping Iron called Pumping Iron to the Women. That was mm-hmm. the name of it. And it was about women bodybuilders. And, mm-hmm. and that came out in the 80s, which would kind of fit this narrative. But at the same time, like if you ever watch a making about pumping iron and like and, and it really is talking about how like what this is describing, how fitness was becoming like a thing, like fitness culture was becoming a big deal in the 80s and all that. Uh, they interviewed Clint Eastwood and he talked about how or well, yeah, Clint Eastwood said it. And I think Sylvester Stallone also said it, that a lot of guys started going to the gym just because women were going to the gym, mm, probably gyms, because yeah. of this, mm-hmm. you know, this, this sort of thing. And they were planning on finding their future misses, as Sylvester Stallone would say, um, <laughs> while they were there. So I could almost see where maybe out of, almost out of self-protection, women would take the sex out of it just because mm, just because they don't want guys curving on them at the gym when they're trying to get a workout exactly yeah that makes sense actually mm. yeah so i could see that even though it's still sad i think that's an awesome story i yeah. think it's great that's i mean honestly can you imagine during that that was when betty dodson was teaching those masturbation classes too yeah right <laughs> you could go to a sex workout class and then you could go to a literal masturbation class <laughs> and a sharing circle how how great is that I love it, though. I mean, sexuality is a major part of, honestly, of a lot of my oh, working yeah. out, too. We've talked fitness. about the corgasms, too. I mean, oh, I wonder if yeah. some women experience those. <laughs> anyway, there's your daily dose of history. Now, speaking of exercise, you're going to want to stay tuned for this. This is Sex and Science Hour you're listening to. We are in our second segment here where we talk about science. Um, and I got a good, I got some good science for you. Um... Although, maybe it's not that good, as we'll see. Is it as sexy as last time? Is the last? No. Well, I guess it could be, but it it would be kind of a stretch. This is a question that I think a lot of people come up against. Because, you know, we all have busy lives. Yeah. We've got our jobs. We've got other projects that we're working on, relationships, family, whatever. You know, we have a lot of stuff that we're doing. And if you want to be physically fit... You're going to have to find time to fit workouts in. But most people struggle to just fit in seven or eight hours of sleep with Uh, a normal workday and family and everything else that they're doing and checking their smartphone like three to four hours a day. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Sporadic. I saw what was the number I saw that that the amount of times it gets your people, the average person checks their the average adult checks their smartphone is anywhere between like 46 to 85 times a day. And I'm sure I, I saw like 20 to 60 times an hour. Really? Yeah. 
Wow, maybe it was an hour. Maybe that I I'm saw. remembering that wrong, but I I thought I I, I thought I saw something either like twenty of those times numbers an hour. is remarkable. Yeah, like oh, it's maybe not way too way. high either yeah, way. Yeah. Slice it, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, I mean, people are often finding themselves with this dilemma: Do I get up a little bit earlier or go to bed a little bit later and sacrifice some sleep because I have a hard deadline for when I'm waking up because I have to get to work by a certain time? Right. Um. You know, do I basically? sacrifice some sleep in order to fit a workout into my day? Mm. Or do I skip the workout and get a full night of sleep? Which one is better for your health? Have you ever come up against that dilemma, Brian? Ah, yeah, all the t- every day. Um, and But honestly, my I, I already know what my answer is, even though I could end up being wrong. Mm. What's um, your answer? I always, for everything, I always sacrifice sleep. And I understand how important sleep is. Mm-hmm. Like, I really do know how important it is. But I, every single time, um, and I'm not even, you know, honestly, I'm not even the, the, the kind of person, like, I don't really have a set time that I have to wake up. You know, I have clients, yeah, work I have work from, to do yeah. throughout the day, but I, you know, we work from home and mm-hmm. like, I don't have to get, like, they're not expecting me at a certain hour. It's not like anything. you have to show up at the office at 9 a.m. Yeah, or 8 exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, you know, and we work out for, you know, an hour to an hour and a half just about pretty much every day. Yeah. Um, unless, at least like, you know, five, six days a week. Yeah. I mean, like unless that. we're traveling or something, it is every day. Yeah. And, you know, but I, yeah, I always prioritize that. There's been nights where I don't even think you knew. Like that I would, you know, if I was staying up to continue working Mm -hmm. and if I didn't get a workout in that day, I would be downstairs in the basement, you know, getting in. Yeah, doing a midnight midnight workout. workout. I I do that all the time. So, yeah, absolutely. I'll sacrifice sleep. I've done the midnight workout thing before, too. And, um, you know, there were times when I did it out of sheer spite because I was so mad. I'm like, oh, my God, people are demanding so many things from me. Yeah. They're taking up my whole day. Where did my fucking day go? I didn't do anything for myself in days. And so just to spite everybody, I would do a workout at one or two in the morning (laughs) and I would feel good about myself because I actually took some time for myself. So I think that was important, but I don't think I was getting the full benefits of that workout because um, as we'll see from this article here, um, you know, it's a common dilemma that people face, but really if you're not getting enough sleep, you aren't getting the full benefits out of your workout either. Um, It is very important the recovery from a workout is just as important as the workout itself. And the thing about exercise is the the way exercise works to make you stronger, better quality of life, more resistant to disease and so forth is because when you exercise, you're putting a little bit of stress on your body. Mm-hmm. Not so much stress that you're going to get sick or that you can't handle it, but that little bit of stress, basically what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. So afterwards, you recover from that stress and you adapt to be able to more effectively deal with the same kind of stress in the future. That's why your muscles get bigger, you get stronger, you know, various other things, making you uh, have better quality of health. So the recovery period after a workout is just as important as the workout itself, because that's when you're coming back up to that that higher bar or that higher baseline of what you can normally tolerate in terms of stress. Sure. And when you sleep, we know that um, during certain phases like deep sleep, uh, we release growth hormone, which is essential in athletic recovery and growing muscles. Growth hormone also causes your liver to produce IGF-1, insulin-like growth factor, which is also essential in muscle building. Yeah. 
So, and those hormones are kind of released on a timer as well. And it has to do with your sleep cycle. So if, you're, if your sleep cycle is messed up, if you're going to bed uh, really late compared to the sun, like when the sun sets your biological clock, mm-hmm. um, you know, you're not going to produce as much. There are actually uh, fitness coaches, a lot of them now, are saying you really have to be starting to go to sleep by 10, 1030 hopefully before 11, like every hour of sleep before midnight that you can get is is going to aid you in the gym yeah, and, and in just in life in general. So sleep is really essential. But if you're not working out at all, I mean, okay, then how, what are you going to do for your physical fitness then, right? Yeah. <laughs> so basically, there's an article from the New York Times here where they're asking a bunch of different doctors, you know, which should I prioritize, sleep or workout? I can only really do one. Um, I, it's a choice between getting six or six and a half hours of sleep per night and doing a morning workout or not getting workout, but getting eight hours of sleep per night. And the doctors are saying, this is a terrible choice. You really should. The answer they give is kind of a combo. <laughs> They're saying you really should try to make your life so that you're cutting somewhere else so that you can actually do both, get a full sleep and get a workout. <laughs> You know, I I will. So so is that like their cop out pretty much? Uh, Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, I will say they say use common sense when striking a balance. So Arnold Schwarzenegger, who, you know, I don't think he needs any introduction as far as like what he, you know, did as far as fitness. goes. He would he would to this he to this day says you should just just sleep six hours and get in a workout. Like his argument would probably be that, no, the workout's more important than the sleep. Um. I kind of like, I I get it. I get what they're saying. And I, you know, I listen to a lot of actually like bodybuilding podcasts and things like that. And most of the people now are all saying that, look, you know, if you want to get to that next level with your physique, sleep a lot. Oh yeah. Like some of these guys, good quality sleep, go to bed early, go to bed consistently at the same time. Yeah. Even more than that. Some of these guys are saying like all day Sunday like they're pretty much like sleeping like they're they're just they're just relaxing i mean like wow you know, really big into napping which that's not necessarily new because like i mentioned before pumping iron you watch mm. that you can see where the guys are napping outside um so i think that's kind of been known for a while how important sleep is uh but at, at the same time yeah I, I get it i don't know my mind i i i would say the workout's more important you know, I for me, I think sleep is more important. Mm. Um, but that's just based on my experience. I mean, if you never work out at all, but you always get a good sleep. Yeah, sure. Maybe at least a couple days a week, you know, cut out an hour of sleep and take a workout. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but on the other hand, if you're always running on six hours of sleep and that's just not enough for you, but you're getting a workout every day somehow, you're going to run yourself into the ground. So there there does have to be a balance somewhere. But hopefully you can find other areas to cut, like stop checking your smartphone so often or or stop looking at Facebook. Yeah. If that's what is if it's a choice between Facebook, sleep or workout, cut Facebook. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah, or cut it cut out a TV show or something. Yeah, like, cut a TV like, show. There's there's gotta be a way to get in that extra hour. Yeah, or, or treat yourself, buy yourself some buy yourself a house cleaner or help at work or outsource yeah. something, outsource some kind of repetitive task that frees up some time for you. Because at the end of the day, sleep and exercise are really both essentials. So I mean I kind of agree with these doctors saying find somewhere else to cut sure yeah it's good advice yeah okay well we didn't really answer that question but it was a good article anyway. it was a good thing to <laughs> well they talk. didn't answer it and they're the no experts. they didn't answer it either Arnold so answered we're it, though. excused <laughs> all right coming up multi-part breakups they're the worst 
Welcome back to Sex and Science Hour. It's segment three where we talk about sex stuff. Are multi-part, drawn-out breakups the worst thing about modern dating? Somebody says yes. And I think that- dating is the worst part of dating, but... <laughs> Well, I think a lot of people would agree with you there, yeah. Uh The drawn-out multi-part breakup is the worst part of modern dating, so why do we keep doing it? This is by John McDermott, writing for Mel Magazine. Um, he's basically talking about, you know... <laughs> Mel Magazine? Is that like the men's version of L? <laughs> I'm not really sure. This is the first time I've heard about Mel. it. <laughs> Right. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. That's a good name for a men's magazine. Anyway. Mel. Uh, anyway, so he starts off by sharing this tweet or or like a, a Tumblr post from a woman who basically, she's returning a video game to her boyfriend and she has a key to his house and she goes in early in the morning when he's, I guess, apparently still asleep. Uh-huh. She sees him sleeping in bed with another woman and she doesn't, but he doesn't wake up. So she leaves the video game on his front on his table. She locked you know, leaves his key, locks the door, unfriends him on all social media, blocks his phone number and moves to a different city. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Like she literally just disappears from his life. That's the nuclear option. I mean, holy shit. Like she's it is, gone. Right. I mean, she could have maybe like well, I don't. I don't want to tell her what to do. I was going to say she could have jumped in bed with him. <laughs> yeah, right. I, but but uh, I mean, like that. That really. That seems very extreme because you yeah. see a guy with another gal. Right. I mean, yeah. There's all kinds of people commenting it on the uh, commenting about it on the internet. Who knows if this story is even true? Yeah. But basically. The the author of the article is using it as a conversation starter to talk about how this is not the norm these days. Um, this is a remarkable feat in the social media era, he says. Okay, I, well, let me just clarify real quick. Like, I'm not, she can, you know, exit the situation however she wants. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying it sounds like there's a lot more than her just finding this guy with another gal if she's, you know, like hightailing it out of town and, and, right. and doing all that. That's that was my point. But please continue with the story. Yeah. And, and there were some other fish, fishy things about the story. Like, you know, they were together for five years, supposedly, but they didn't live together. Not saying everybody wants to always no, live with their no, partner. Yeah. But, you know, I think it's kind of unusual, you know, for people to be that together that long and still living apart. Maybe. Um, but anyway, maybe they had some reasons for it. But uh, yeah, he's saying that usually the script goes like this when you have a breakup. You got a few weeks, if not months, or sometimes even years of gradually realizing that you and your partner are not quite right for each other. Okay. A series of long talks in which you try to acknowledge the irreconcilable differences in your relationship, but without regarding them as such. A tearful breakup, quickly followed by you getting back together and promising to make it work. A second short honeymoon, quickly followed by the crushing realization that your issues are not, in fact, workable. And then the second actual breakup, during which you rehash every petty resentment and grievance that you mentioned during the first breakup. Then you've got weeks of alternately stalking and blocking your ex on social media, sending them flurries of text messages and resisting the urge to text them alternately, and then feeling lonely and liberated alternately. Succumbing to your worst desires and rendezvousing with your ex for some hot, confusing post-breakup sex that will inevitably leave both of you feeling worse. And then finally, deciding to stop communicating with your ex so you can both move the hell on with your lives. 
Uh, it, does that sound familiar? I, I guess you really haven't had too many breakups in the social media era, Brian. No, but, no. But but does it sound familiar from what you've observed from other people? I Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Yeah, because I've seen people who are somewhat friends or maybe even good friends mm-hmm. where they have a breakup and like their girlfriend or something would would be friends with me on Facebook. And then suddenly, oh, actually, you know, like like you get that memory thing every day from like Facebook oh. where it says like a year ago this happened. Oh and you go, well, gee, I wonder who liked that post. And you go and you look and who liked it. And then you see how many people aren't your friends anymore. <laughs> right. You know? and, so like somebody broke up with somebody and then you ended up defriended because of that. Yeah. You were friends with one of the parties or yeah, something. Right. Yeah. So. That's why I say, yeah, I, I think this does happen. Yeah, you know, I've seen a that a lot. Script. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, I haven't experienced this too much either, but I've had like friend breakups, like breakups of friendship relationships. Sure, yeah. Where, <laughs> oh man, I mean, just unfollowing the person on all social media is difficult. Deciding whether to unfollow them. And then when you, you know, you sort of unfriend them, but you said you were going to be friends. So what's that all about? Right. <laughs> or they unfriend you and you're like, hey, I didn't unfriend you. Why did you unfriend me? You know, <laughs> and but then you can't really talk about it because you broke up. So it's very weird. Um, I still have ex-friends that I still somehow follow on Twitter. And sometimes I get emails. And I'm like, oh, my God, they tweeted that. I can't. I really should just unfollow them. But I <laughs> I can't bring myself to do it. So. <laughs> It's crazy. Do you think this is? Do you think this makes it worse or harder to break up or? Like, I have a lot of thoughts on this, but the music is okay. Well, uh, go ahead with your thoughts. Okay, so like, so much of this comes from the comes from dating itself. It's not social media. It's really not. Mm. The problem is, is that you didn't. Your foundation is based upon you met at a bar or you met. Uh, I don't know, at work or something where you don't actually have the foundation that a really great, especially when they went five years, that a great relationship should have, which is you were friends for a good while first. Then this doesn't have to be that awkward. And I think that's the key to having amicable breakups is that you were friends before. And so you have that foundation where this shit isn't earth shattering and you don't have to worry about breaking up off of everything on social media or whatever, because you're friends before and you really can go back to that. Mm. I mean, you you really fucking can. Mm-hmm. You know, I think the people that that say you can't go back to being friends, um, I think there's a lot of sexual tension or something's going on and nobody's and somebody's really not over it. And, and that's kind of the issue there. But if you were genuinely friends like real friends, I always think you can get back to that. Uh, so I think that this is a problem with dating itself, which I am so anti-dating. I've been, I mean, that's nothing new for Sex and Science Hour listeners. I don't know. Haven't you ever had a relationship? Well, I don't know. Maybe you haven't. But um, haven't you ever had a relationship where you were friends first, right? And then you get together. But then you realize during the relationship that you're just drifting apart and you wake up one day and you're like, I don't even like this person as a friend. We have nothing in common anymore. Well, Where did ha- the well, basis people, for this friendship go? Sure, people change. That can happen. But part of that is, I think, having the respect for each other to where... You know, it yeah. doesn't have to be shitty. Sure, like, sure, sure. I mean, that's that. That's yeah. the thing. Like, sure, that realization can happen. Um, do you think that people... Okay, I'm going to try to summarize maybe what you're saying. Sure. Do you think that people treat each other as more disposable now because of things like Tinder? Because well, fuck they're, yes. Because they're used to... They're just... They're able, swipes. Yeah. 
They're 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 swipes. They're yeah, reduced pe- to a swipe and pe- not not really a person. Yeah, yeah, people are absolutely desensitized to interactions, to little red numbers and swipes and mm-hmm. all this other shit. And absolutely, that dehumanizes the person. That that absolutely occurs. But how do you combat that? You be actual fucking friends. <laughs> you know, like that's that's how you solve that problem. Uh, the, the, I mean, yeah, get, I'm all for getting rid of social media like all day long. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, it's so funny when people say, oh, we're friends with benefits. Well, a lot of people don't even treat their so-called friends with benefits as a friend, you know, sure. and they weren't even friends first. They're just basically like kind of they're fucking each other, but they don't they want to deny that they have any deeper feelings, you know, so they call it friends with benefits. But they're not even always treating them that person like a friend. Yeah, I mean, and, and this yeah, this goes into so many things because it's just look, most most relationships and, and most sexual interactions have the absolute worst foundations. Yeah, there's nothing wrong right. with one night stands and shit like that. But like, you know, what even allowed for the one night stand to be a thing because you're both at a boring fucking business conference because you're both like at, at a party, you know, I don't know, doing something and, you know, ingesting something and, and, oh, that's your connection. Oh, what a great reason to sleep with somebody. Hey, we're both unhappy. Yeah. (laughs) I I mean, I I don't know. Like this is a huge, this is a huge problem. And social media is social media gets blamed for a lot of problems that aren't the real problem. right. Right. Right, Where the exa- real problem isn't social media. It's it's something deeper. Yeah, it's kind of a symptom of a much bigger issue. Mm. Well, speaking of symptoms of much bigger issues, oh. um, we got a listener question that I think this this parents' confusion about this is a symptom of a much larger issue, which is a fucked up culture surrounding sex. Um, but the question that we got was basically, hey, how do I talk to my teenage kids, their young teens, about sex. I've got a boy and a girl, and I think both require a little bit different messaging. I hate to admit it, but I, I, when I, when it comes to my kids, I find this to be a very difficult subject. Sure. So I had a recommendation and then a couple of thoughts, maybe. The, the, the resource that I recommended to this person was um, a woman named Amy Lang. She's got a book and a website called Birds, Bees, and Kids. And it's about, it's, it's a resource for parents that's devoted to helping parents talk to kids of any age about sex Mm -hmm. in an age-appropriate way. And, you know, this is a conversation that probably ideally starts as soon as your kid is old enough to to speak and, you know, talk about body parts and ask about body parts and stuff like that. And you just give them age-appropriate information, but what exactly do they need to know and how do you frame it in a way that they can grasp and understand? How do you handle it when they ask you a difficult question? you know, that you're not exactly sure how to answer. All of that is in Amy Lang's book. She also has a uh, a free online course for parents that they can just stream over the internet. Oh, fantastic. So, I mean, she's really dedicated to helping parents with this question. Um, you know, another thing I wanted to say was like, I was thinking when I got this question, well, how do I wish I had been talked to about sex when mm-hmm. I was a kid and a teenager? And I mean, the way I was talked to about sex was pretty abysmal. It wasn't, you know, my parents' fault. I would say it was more just the culture in general. I mean, the sex ed that we've had in in public school was traumatizing. Terrible. Yeah, it was terrifying. It was 
<laughs> meant be- to scare you, really, you know, into because, submission, essentially. Yeah, because chapter seven is intercourse, is PIV, and then chapter eight is pubic lice and, you know, hairy tongue and whatever the fuck else in health class. It's so bad. I don't bad. even think we had a chapter on intercourse because they were just like, don't do it. Oh, well, <laughs> you know? we, we had chapters, but like. You know, the next, I mean, you're yeah, looking at drawings if he, if and diagrams. The message is sex isn't for pleasure. It's something that uh, your peers will pressure you into doing right. for God knows what reason. Yeah. Uh, somebody should be getting pleasure out of it, but they don't talk about that ever. Yeah. And if you do it, girls, you will definitely get pregnant and get a bunch of STD. Every STD known to man, your genitals will rot and fall <laughs> off. It's going to be hell on earth. So just don't even think about it. <laughs> that was the message I got. And quite honestly, it was a bit traumatic. And now my parents, you know, I got some sort of different messaging from my parents about it. You know, at times they were uncomfortable about sex, like there would be a a sitcom on or something. We'd all be watching the TV and they would make a sex joke and my parents would just like sit there without laughing at all. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right. And, um, you know, it was a little bit awkward. It was like, okay, this is something that we're not supposed to talk about or joke about, you know. But, you know, then at times they did give me like very age appropriate, um, helpful sex information, I guess. Mm. But I didn't ask very many questions. And sometimes kids don't ask very many questions to their parents because it's embarrassing and awkward, right? Right. Um, so, you know, I tried to seek out some sex information on the internet when I was a, a kid, I guess, and a teenager. Um, fortunately, now they have much better sex ed- education websites for kids and teenagers. And one of them that I wanted to recommend is Scarletine, which is designed specifically for teenagers to answer questions about sex. And it's a modern format website that is there for people to ask questions. So you might want to check that out and even like refer your kids to it if they use the internet. I don't know exactly how old they are, but they're probably old enough to read, I'm guessing, right? (laughs) Old enough to go to websites. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, me, like I never got the conversation. I mean, yeah, I remember when they taught it like in school, but the thing is, is that the diagrams were, they were just that, they were fucking diagrams. Mm -hmm. And like that didn't, those weren't real people, you know, in my book. And so I, I had no concept of what exactly was going on. They're the worst and most basic possible drawings you could possibly see mm. of this beautiful act, you know, that is about to go down. Mm. Um, I never got the conversation from my parents. It just never happened. Did you um, look for on their bookshelf to see if they had hidden away any sex books? Because uh, that's a common thing a lot of people our age did when we were kids. Yeah, I think my dad had like a collection of Playboys that he... Oh, porn. Yeah, he, I was thinking more just sex ed kind of books. No, no, no. I never saw anything really like that um the bulk of my education came from like terrible advice from my oldest brother oh well that's the thing if you don't give your kids accurate and good sex information they will get it from their friends yeah you don't want them getting it from their friends always (laughs) well i mean and my older brother you know he'd have such brilliant insights like if you you know you know you know how you make your dick bigger is if you just keep giving yourself a boner but you don't jerk off (laughs) i'm like oh really you know is that (laughs) And I'm like, that, I'm not even sure why I want to. Does a big that work? Dick, other than I saw live in Antarctica with Guar and Odorous had this monster cock, you know? And <laughs> I have so many questions about that. Well, but. <laughs> well, I mean, I see that. And that's why I'm like, okay, well, that's why I need a big dick, you know? <laughs> but anyway, uh, so, you know, where I really learned most of what I knew about sex for a long time, you know, outside of when I finally did my own research, um, which good luck finding (laughs) books, even in the nineties about that sort of shit. And those after school movies weren't helping, um, was when I actually first had sex, uh, my best friend at the time, she pretty much, 
taught me the score. Wow. You know, was she and, a virgin too or? Oh, no, 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 no. And, and I'll just leave it at that. She was uh, and, more experienced. And, and I, I really respect her. And so I'm not insulting her and saying mm. that, just saying that, that she was experienced. Mm. Um, so I, you know, I had to give this conversation. I, I had to, I had to give this talk. Uh, because, um, I was involved, not biological children, but I was involved in raising three kids, mm-hmm. uh, for a stepdad. Yeah. For a point in my life. And you know how I handled it. There were two things, two main points that I brought up. Now, one of them is something that we've been talking about, you know, through other parts of the show, which is that I kind of started it off with saying, you know, at some point you're going to, you're going to have friends that you kind of feel like there's something extra about them. Like you want it, you want to go to another level, like their friendship. You want it, you want to be more physical with them and you mm. want to do these sorts of things. But again, this is planting the seed that the people you should be stooping or thinking about relationships with. I see what you did. There. Are your friends. Yeah. Okay. Or are people that you already have a foundation with? Yeah. Okay. So I'm starting off with that. Here's the other, here's the other point that you want that I think is very important. And that is, I didn't say what gender those friends were. Mm, you just said friends. That's friends right. could be anybody. Yeah, meaning it could be, you know, it could be Diana. It could be Tommy. It could be, you know, what, whatever, you know. And, I mean, because, I mean, it was two girls and one boy that I had, you know, that I, I gave, or at least the one the one gal or, you know, the one girl and the boy I gave this conversation to. I didn't really, to, to the youngest girl. Um, and... Yeah, like I even even with even with uh, the boy, I didn't, you know, I said it, it could end up being Tommy, you know, whatever whatever it was, and and I think that that's that's a really important part of it, is to you know when you're having this conversation, yeah, you can start getting into the physical stuff of what happens, but it's a lot less scary when you're saying this could happen with people that they already trust, that they already have some kind of again foundation with, mm-hmm. um, and that's the thing is that. I don't think there's any way to really talk about it. I mean, maybe, you know, today kids have Google mm-hmm. and they're already looking this shit up probably in their, when they're in the single digits as far as age. Oh, sure. You know? uh, so you're going to be kind of behind the times anyway. So the best thing I think a parent can do today is really engage in damage control over what exactly all of this means and when and maybe even not, not that you need to decide who your kid's partner is mm. in the future or whenever, yeah. but um, at least help with maybe what's the most beneficial and what's not going to end up with a, a very sad experience. Yeah, know? I guess. I mean, there's so many things you want to think about, right? One is being just being a, a cool parent who they feel comfortable talking to if they have a question or they see something that they don't quite understand or whatever. Yep. Um, and to do that damage control on the Internet. Another one is like you were just talking about, Brian, basically affirming that their developing sexuality could take many different forms. And no matter what form it takes, you will still love them. And, you know, they're always going to be your kid. And that it's OK, basically. Yeah. And the other one is, you know, how do you protect how do you help kids develop healthy boundaries and so that they can protect themselves from abuse uh, as they're growing up. Yeah. Which would get into part three, where if you're ever not feeling comfortable when this like increased physicality comes in um, and then you can break down what that physicality looks like, Mm -hmm. you know, but if you're ever uncomfortable with it, you know, you stop. And if it doesn't stop, you run and, and you get away from it and there's no shame, you know, in running. And that, uh, you know, and, and you have to, you have to, as a parent, you have to tell that kid, you can tell me anything. Okay. And like, you can you, say no to things you don't want to yeah, do. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, th- that's a lesson that, 
sometimes parents don't always teach their kids. I mean, there's there's been a lot of articles going well, around about like, oh, give grandma a hug teaches kids to basically, you know, touch adults for the sake of preserving the adult's feelings, even if they don't feel like it. Well, the kid doesn't feel like and it. And a lot of parents engage in a lot of this kids these days talk like, you know, that that kind of abstract talk, which doesn't help because that automatically creates a separation where they think you, the parent, cannot understand because you don't understand what kids are going through today or something like that. Whether it's actually different or not, you've created this artificial barrier and you can't you you just can't let that happen. OK, you've got to let them know that, um, you know, you can say I made stupid decisions, you know, when I was younger. Don't say I want to spare you from stupid decisions. OK, because that's already laying out a judgment and interfering with their ability to tell you what happened to them if it's something that is traumatic and they need to talk to you about it or whatever. Um, but yeah, you know, people, adults, kids all across the board, people just need more people to listen to them. Mm. And you need to listen, you know, like, don't say, do you have any questions? Ask them, how do you feel about that? How do you feel about what I just told you and all that? Yeah. You know, don't yeah. make it sound like it, you shouldn't sound like you're taking them to school or yeah. like that it's a classroom. Right. And you can have a sense of humor about it, too. Right. Sure. I mean, sex isn't all <laughs> it's not all fun and games, but it's not all serious either, even for adults. So, you right. know, play up the humor when when appropriate. Sure. All right. Good luck out there, everybody. This has been Sex and Science Hour. We're coming back for the after show. Never fear. If you're leaving us now, have a great week. And oh, by the way, the website we mentioned, birdsbeesandkids.com. That's Amy Lang. Fantastic resource. Totally recommend. All right, this has been Sex and Science Hour. Whoa, you've just heard Sex and Science Hour. Game over. Play again next week. show is brought to you by stuff.sexandsciencehour.com. You can go there and participate in our after show. Any of the items you hear about through this after show can be purchased on stuff.sexandsciencehour.com. And actually, to start off the after show this week, we have a sex toy review. Before we get to the sex toy. Yes. I have to. It better to, be goddamn important. It is because <laughs> it's something I've held back for years. <gasps> Ooh. And I'm going to I'm going to admit it. That. I've never told you this before, but I'm I, listening. I have always wished, and I know it could still be set up, that the the link, or not that I wished it, but I always think, like, why well, wouldn't it be funny if the link was stuffed.sexandscience.com? <laughs> well, not everybody wants to get stuffed. What? Not everybody wants stuff either. Some people are minimalists, but That's true. they might still listen to the after show. That's true. Well, we might have to, you know, we could easily do that. We could easily set up stuff. Stuffed.sciencehour.com. I think it would be more memorable. People would be like, wait, what? <laughs> that's, a, that's actually a good idea. Okay. 
All right. Well, I don't want to confuse the branding, but I, I can cer- certainly set that up. <laughs> all right. All right. We'll, we'll get on. <laughs> Very cool. All right. Well, what did so? Okay. So let's read the sex toy review. This is something I requested last week. We had somebody purchase a a rabbit type vibrator, I think, and she uh-huh. wrote in to review it. Um, okay. This is Bernice. Her alter ego, anyway. Uh, she said, hey, guys, a few weeks ago... Hello, Bernice. Hi, Bernice. Hey, guys, a few weeks ago, there was a purchase of a heating rabbit vibrator that you mentioned to leave a review for it. Sorry for the delay. I had company in town. Womp, womp, womp. Oh, no, no, no. I mean, oh, test no it for worries. as long as yes, you want. Please. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, make sure you really know just how good this thing is. Definitely test it really good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And you can't necessarily do that with company in town. I know I mean, you that could, is. but... <laughs> Yeah. yeah, you have to wait till they fall asleep or something. Yeah, yeah. depends on your company too. Yeah, it depends on the company. <laughs> Anyways, though, she says, let's start off to say I goofed pretty hard by not realizing it heats up to forty degrees Celsius and not Fahrenheit. Well, forty degrees Fahrenheit would be pretty cold. <laughs> That's not really much above freezing, actually. That's like less than the temperature of a refrigerator. Isn't a refrigerator forty five Fahrenheit? Oh, it depends. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. forty that's, to forty-five. That's, I think. Okay, yeah. all right. <laughs> well, she didn't realize it was Celsius. For so, just for comparison, for you, for you Americans who aren't familiar with Celsius, uh, thirty-seven degrees Celsius is body temperature. Right. Forty degrees Celsius is hotter than body temperature. It's right. actually a little bit shockingly hot. <laughs> and uh, Bernice was not ready for that much heat on the Lady Jewels. She says, which wasn't a fun start off. But I just turned that part off and resumed. The head of the vibrator goes up and down and rotates in harmony with the vibrating clitoral stimulation to make you go cross-eyed. Thanks for listening in on previous, sorry, thanks to listening in on previous podcasts. I know now not to use this battery-operated boyfriend too often because it's extremely stimulating. <laughs> Overall, I would recommend cross-eyed. This, I would recommend this product to whoever was interested. <laughs> Well, very cool. Yeah, I actually love heating sex toys. I the holy grail that I have not yet been able to find is a glass or metal. <laughs> King Arthur couldn't find it either. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm better than King Arthur's. So. I'll say <laughs> it's a a glass or metal dildo because I really like the firmness of those. Yeah, but I want one that heats up because they're always cold. You have to run them under hot water to warm them up. Or you have to put them on a heating pad, and it's a pain in the ass. It I know a guy forever. at Pyrex. I don't know. Yeah. I'll, I'll okay. ask him. Yeah. I like yeah. that idea. All right. Pyrex would be a great material to make a glass <laughs> dildo out of because it's unbreakable, almost. So thank you for the review, Bernice. I hope you're enjoying your, your new toy. Have fun, Bernice. <laughs> so what do people get on stuff.sexandsciencehour.com this week? Well, to start off, we had Bissell Crosswave Multi-Surface Cleaning Formula, good for wood boys. <laughs> No, it's. I think it's wood bois. Uh, that's even better if it's wood boys. Wood boys. Oh no, it's in French below. Okay, it's it's good for wood, area rug, and tile. <laughs> and bois is the French word for wood because then it says under area rug it says carpet, and under tile it says ceramique. See, you know. <laughs> like if we just started speaking French all around the world, now I think French is going to be the language of the future anyway. Ha, just, ha, ha. Like, like everything is just going to be, la. yeah. Well, I, you know, I mean, this everything's just going to sound fancier. You know, like everything's going to like the the level of class that people will you know live in. Like that's that's not, I, don't know, I don't even know how to say it, but it's just like no, that's not my couch. That's my my couch. I don't know. My couch. <laughs> 
got a koosh for you. Also, yeah, well, <laughs> let's talk about that in a few minutes. Maybe God is Like That Too by Jennifer Grant and Benjamin Shipper, illustrator. Every child wonders where God lives or what God is like. In Maybe God is Like That Too, a young boy asks his grandma where God is in their city. She invites him to pay attention to where he sees the fruit of the Spirit, where love, joy, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control are, there too is God. Self-control. I guess where there's no self-control, that's where Satan is, right? I guess. <laughs> the boy Where's sees, that? The want... boy sees God in the kindness of a doorman holding the door for a man using a wheelchair. Oh, isn't that nice? And blah, blah, blah. So it opens his eyes to the young boy's vision of God at work. <laughs> I just think like the narrative, God just walking around, where am I? <laughs> that was a great voice yes, I really like that almost violated the Ten Commandments you know oh, it was this close it was a hair's breadth away Everyman Jack daily signature mint shampoo for all hair types that's cool it's a men's shampoo and it's mint so it makes your hair tingle yeah, well, it makes that. your scalp tingle PlayStation Plus one year plus membership ah. ATG extra large Manny Flex Nitrile nylon microfoam grip gloves, 12 pairs per pack. Wow, this looks like it's for, hmm. A breathable glove, MaxiFlex Ultimate has become the benchmark for precision handling in dry environments. What is this for? I wonder what they're doing. <laughs> like, are they going skiing or are they like working on an engine or something? I don't know. Like what kind of skiing? Downhill. Oh. Cross that, country. Oh, okay. <laughs> I didn't know if it was that other kind of I don't of know skiing. what kind of skiing you were thinking. Hey, we did a triceps workout today, and one of the exercises, you were like, you know, skiing. Like where you kind of bend over and like push, pump your arms behind you. Yeah, like but that's skiing. not the kind of skiing I was thinking I of. almost made a joke like that, but I refrained. <laughs> I refrained. Where's your self-control? Brian, where there's self-control, there's God. Where there's not self-control, there's bad jokes. <laughs> you know what? You know, I'm going to share something with you. Okay. That I'm ready. Well, I, I'm, I'm just revealing all kinds of stuff. You I don't are. Think I've You're ever revealing your soul here. You're bearing your soul. You can edit this out if you want, if you think it's too crazy. Oh, boy. I remember the first. Good. Okay. I was watching a porn. This is years ago. Like, okay. oh, like a, probably a decade ago. Okay. And this gal was skiing, you know. That that kind of skiing. She had two two dicks in her hands. Yeah, yeah. And then it got to the point, and like where the the two guys literally put their dicks underneath one underneath each armpit of her, and just started like humping away, you know, rubbing it between her armpits. Some people really like that. And well, I got to tell you, I watched that, and I don't think I'd ever want to do that, or I'd ever do that. But I was like, that like that's hot. Yeah, and you know, and you know why I thought it was hot because, like, it looked like it looked like such kind of desperation on the parts of everybody involved that they just they were so lost in the lust of the situation that they would fuck anything. Yes, anything. Yeah, like like even I, an I mean, armpit. And and the woman just had this like like just joyful smile on her face. I don't, I don't know if it was because she didn't expect it or what, or she thought it was hilarious. Either way, like she was having fun. It, it seemed pretty clear to me, and I know a thing a thing or two about porn. And whether or not somebody's actually having a good time or if it's bullshit. But, um, yeah, I thought that was amazing. You know, like I said, I don't know that I'd ever want to do that. In fact, I can't even really picture any guy that I trust enough to where I'd you know want to be in that situation with them. But, man, 
That was hot, you know? <laughs> right on. I think I've what heard that think? story. Because, okay, Brian, do you remember, we have a friend who told us a story that he unexpectedly found out that one of his college like a guy that was in his friend group in college had like a fetish for that, for fucking women's armpits. Oh, I don't know if I and, remember this, but anyway, go ahead. Oh yeah. I'll tell you who it was afterwards. Okay. But yeah, he said that and he was like so mystified and everyone thought it was so funny in his friend group. <laughs> and like, I guess a stand up comic somehow found about it oh, and made dear. a bit about it as well. Yeah. That ends that. <laughs> the poor guy. I mean, well, his fetish think, being laughed at. Like, um, I mean, I guess I guess I could see how it would feel good. I mean, I don't have a dick, so I don't exactly. Well, know, but how I could would you imagine. feel if a guy like asked to even like do that? I mean, I'd try it. I've never done that before. Okay, you try it. Yeah, sure. I'm not going to ask. Sure, I, I'd try I, or at least it. I don't plan to. But interesting. at least you're not going to say you're going to ask on the air. Oh, well. <laughs> I already admitted to like thinking that was one of the hottest things I've ever seen. I mean, but, as far as sex acts go, that's pretty benign. Like, uh, yeah. I, would, I would totally it's try not that. not as bad as, like, sucking on toes. I think that, I don't know. Oh, that's, yeah, that's uh, freaks me out, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, back to stuff.sex and science. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Star Wars Trilogy Episodes 1 through 3 on Blu-ray. Nice. Oh, yeah. Nice. So I've, recently, I've recently kind of gotten back into Blu-ray. And uh, Why do you like Blu-ray? The quality? Um, well, there's the quality, like, I mean, I thought, so when I, especially when I moved to New Hampshire, those many moons ago, um, you know, now it's what, seven years ago, uh, or going on, it'll be seven years in October. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So like, I, I thought that I would just be watching everything on like some laptop screen and Mm -hmm. it didn't really matter, you know? And so a lot of the really rare shit that I have is in like 640 or like 480p is what they would call it. Um, or even maybe less because even at that point I was even still watching stuff on like on my, my iPod classic or whatever. And so a lot of my shit is really low quality. Now, when I left New York, I left behind a substantial Blu-ray collection, frankly. Um, and you know, you just Blu-rays, I mean, it's a nerd thing. It's just where, where like, it's something that friends talk about where they, you know, like, oh, I got this disc, and I got this disc, and I got the Criterion Collection of Putney Swoop. And, My you know, disc is shit. bigger than your disc. Yeah, I, it's not exactly that. <laughs> just it, kidding. It's, yeah, I just wanted to say that. Yeah, I, I don't think it's, it's not really dick measuring, because it's friendly stuff, and you used to let, like, your friends borrow it if it was a movie they never saw mm. before, you know, and everything. And, and the other nice thing about Blu-rays is that, and this is sorely lacking, I really love making specials. I love special features. I love director's commentary. Um, I love a lot of those things, and a lot of even if you're like pirating stuff and i'm not saying i do but even if you're pirating stuff uh, a lot of times that they'll fuck up the subtitle tracks to where like if like rocky four where you know it won't you'd have to put on subtitles for the whole movie just to see what ivan drago you know says in russian and and a lot of those things i mean that's just that's that's very annoying and and streaming the other reason i like blu-ray is that all these streaming services often they don't have the movies i want or they'll have them for a little while and then they go away but look if i care enough about a movie that i'm going to watch it uh, more than once, you know, like, I mean, I might as well put the money down on it because it's going to be an amazing fucking film. So I don't, you know, I don't want to rely on somebody else to store that for me. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. And like cool. I said, digital okay. copies just aren't enough, but anyway, go All right, ahead. I buy that. That's, that's sure. Good. That's very good reasoning. You've, you've thought this through. Oh I yeah. Like that. Big time. <laughs> I like that about you, Brian. You do things intentionally. Very. Uh, somebody got Thorn Research uh, multivitamins, which are specifically for sports. And they've got vitamin K, vitamin D. Uh, they have the uh, methyl folic acid, which is interesting because I guess apparently now there's this trend going around. 
it's not a trend because it's genetic. It's just something people are being becoming aware of where um, I guess a lot of people have this mutation in the tetrahydrofolate reductase gene, uh, the THFR or MTHFR gene. Okay. Where they can't basically metabolize folic acid, which is a common form of a vitamin that's in a lot of supplements. They have to have methylfolic acid because the the methylating enzyme is defective. And a lot of people have this, apparently. Now, if you're not taking vitamins, if you're getting your folic acid from vegetables and salad, it doesn't matter because the natural forms are methylated. But if you're getting it from supplements, then you have to take the methylated kind, which isn't that it, it's not as cheap. So that's not what they usually put in. Ah, okay. But this one has the methylated kind of folic acid. So that's the good stuff. Yeah, I think it's. I, it looks like good stuff. Yeah, it looks like good vitamins. All right, good job. Um, and it was twenty three dollars for a sixty day supply. Nice. Not too bad. Top ramen Nissen chili favorite flavor instant soup. Twenty four pack of ramen for sixteen dollars. That's really cheap. Twenty four pack. Oh yeah. And yeah, it's a pretty good price today, I guess. It's a good price, yeah. Ramen's getting cheaper, if that was even possible. Yeah. No, good on you. <laughs> when I was in college, ramen was 75 cents per. Yeah, I was thinking, like, when... I mean, there was a time where, like, I certainly... I mean, I just, I've never been a cook, mm -hmm. you know, I can do it, but like, I've never really been a cook and, you know, wrapping a, wrapping a hot dog in, in, in a paper towel or having ramen or something has definitely been a staple, you know, if I wasn't actually going out to eat, which is, you know, my, my general, you know, what I would, would have done. Um, yeah, I remember having ramen quite a bit. It was probably like 50 cents though when I was at that time. Yeah. And, uh. Yeah, but I guess sixteen bucks. It's a good it depended price. if you got the the styrofoam cup of ramen or if you got the the package. The styrofoam cup was a little more upscale. Yeah. That was like fifty cents. Well, and easier to make. 25. You just add in the water. Yeah, you, know? you don't even need a bowl. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's oh, that's the way to go. <laughs> that's right. Uh, well, good luck to you. I hope uh, on your entrepreneurial pursuits. Yeah, I hope I it works out. I, yeah, I agree. <laughs> I or maybe it is a literal you're... college student. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> if you're buying ramen, you're probably like, all right, we got to cut costs somewhere. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Good luck with everything. Yeah. Hope it works out. Yeah. <laughs> Amazon Basics, eight sheet cross cut paper and credit card shredder. You always need a shredder. That's always a good idea. This is $35. And Unless you're nice the Ninja Turtles. Then oh, then you shredder. have a shredder built in. Well, mm -hmm. right. <laughs> Aptivia ATX VD500 watt power supply uh, with dual low noise fans for right. $22. That's good. Yeah. Maybe someone's building a miner or something or a computer. Wow. You know, there's going to be a revolt. You know, I'll tell you real quick. I'm very scared of what's like of the cryptocurrency space. Because mm -hmm. let me tell you, there is no group of people more terrifying than PC gamers. And they are flipping out over, like, the supply and demand situation that's happening over oh, graphics cards right now. Yeah. I mean, they are angry. And you are, I mean, believe me, I don't care how much money you think you're making off of cryptocurrencies. Pissing these people off is the Not wrong move. And <laughs> and that's, it's going to get ugly fast. You know, uh, I mean, I'd, I'd almost argue, I'd almost make the case that the drop in Bitcoin's price has to do with the fact that PC gamers are, 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 doing something there's pitchforks in the streets uh, they're doing something i don't know they're doing campaigns on 4chan or whatever i mean i i absolutely do not and i never ever will there's only one group in the world that i i would never stand up against and that is pc gamers right on well not, and, and that's not a gamergate thing either because that generally didn't have to do with pc gamers that had to do with a bunch of fucking teenagers 
We're talking about the real deal. The guys that, I mean, do people understand PC gamers, the amount of money that they put into their hobby? Oh, they're serious. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, really? Yeah. You know, they're, they're not, you know, they don't need cryptocurrency. Mm-hmm. They are not fucking around. Mm-hmm. And, and you fuck with them. Well, anyway, go ahead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's right. Amazon basic shredder sharpening and lubricant sheets. I didn't know your shredder needs lubricant. Help prevent paper jams, reduce dust and buildup. That's cool. All right. You can sharpen your shredder. Next stand, laptop stand. This, this makes your desk into a standing desk, and it's only $34. That's good. Uh, Odyssey automotive LTV battery for $231. That's good. You need a new car, car battery sometimes. Bissell Crosswave wood floor brush roll. This is for, you know, floor cleaner, I guess, the, to go with that uh that floor boy <laughs> we saw at the beginning. <laughs> Slicey boys. <laughs> Slicey boys, yeah. <laughs> Scott, 1,000 sheet per roll toilet paper, 27 rolls for $18. Wow, somebody's, that that's probably the same person that bought the ramen. <laughs> <laughs> well, Scott's a brand name. They could buy store brand toilet paper. I know, but, even worse. Uh, but yeah. you, you know, it's, Scott. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's true. It's economy toilet paper. That's right. Yeah. Speedgen Slim Armor CS iPhone 7 case for $18. That it has a little piece that slides out. Uh, White Mountain Puzzles Book Haven, 300-piece jigsaw puzzle, and it's a picture of a library. That's nice. really cool. Uh, I, it's been a while since I've done a jigsaw puzzle. That seems fun, though. Yeah. Uh, Crayola Brush and Detail Dual Tip Markers Calligraphy Set. That's nice. M Design Rectangular Trash Can Waste Basket, $14.99 for office, bathrooms, what have you. Okay. Oh, fanny packs. We got the Fidelity Patriot fanny pack. This looks like, this is black and white checkerboard pattern. You could go to a ska show with this and you would fit right in. Nice. With this fanny pack. I love fanny packs. Oh, yeah. Uh, And then we got another fanny pack that's glitter, black or gray glitter. I'd wear that. This is like, this is like a punk rock starter pack here. I'd wear that. Kava Kava, my favorite stuff. Okay, so Kava Kava is a relative of the pepper plant, and it's a root that relaxes you and makes you feel a little bit euphoric. Um, And so people mix this in with their tea, drink it. I've got some. Uh, Somebody bought some, half a pound, in fact, from Fiji for $22. It's worth every penny. It's it's very relaxing. It really helps me. Um, I do not use this stuff. It's been a while since I've had any Kava. It's been months, like maybe almost a year. Wow. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's helped me. I, I really like that stuff. I, maybe I'll have some more later. Anyway, uh, car mount for iPhone X. That's always a good thing to have. Blood Enemy Underworld Book 2. Underworld uh, was a series of movies. Wait about a vampires. minute. Vampires, yeah. Uh-oh. This is like a mass market. <laughs> this is a paperback from 2004. Oh, I know what it is. Yeah. Because <laughs> I think I bought it. You did? Yeah, I, it oh. came the other day. Oh, but okay. I didn't know that. <laughs> I must have accidentally used the link. Oh, whoops! Well, shh. <laughs> I, yeah. Okay. <laughs> um. So well, real quick, it could have been someone else. Yeah, it, it could have been. Yep. I don't think so because this is part of a project of mine. I won't go into too much detail, but um. But yeah, this is a book like they they made novelizations for all the movies or for most of the movies for Underworld. But this is a book that's like a prequel to the first movie. And it's the only one of the books that is like an original story. Um, not that I mind movie novelizations. I read those, too. But 
this is actually a really cool book, uh, even though later movies would kind of contradict some of what happens in it. Um, so yeah, I'm a huge fan of the underworld movies. I, I hope they keep going. I thought last year's blood wars was almost movie of the year for me. I thought it was so great. Uh, so yeah, cool. Okay. Very nice. Nice buy. Whoever did that. Yeah. Not saying it was me. Right on. Uh, Fusion City Glide Adult Kick Scooter with Handbrake. 220-pound weight limit. That's awesome. That looks like a really fun scooter. Nice. With a handbrake, too. Uh, square Trade Two-Year Protection Plan for Scooter for $2. That was good. Thayer's Witch Hazel with Aloe Vera and Cucumber uh, for $12. Witch Hazel is always good. Logitech M330 Silent Wireless Large Mouse. And our last item here. Uh, oh, this is from last week. We already did this. This is the uh, wake-up clock that, that lights up the room. Oh, yeah. And turns on the sunrise. Oh, yeah, well, yeah. that was a little bit anticlimactic. But this was only the stuff from um, January 26th to, to February 2nd. Just a little... Or February 1st. Just a little note to myself. Right. For next time we do the show. Um, we got more stuff coming up, too. And... Uh, yeah, I guess that's it for tonight. All right. Thank you so much for Lots tuning of fun. in to Sex and Science Hour. Have an awesome week, and we'll see you next time. And, you know, real quick, if, yeah. if you happen to, like, like get into some armpit stooping, let us know how that goes. Oh, yeah. Send us a review of yeah, the armpits. I'm, I'm curious yeah. how armpits. Sex story yeah. review. Uh, Stuff.sexandsciencehour.com. And uh, check, on, check our SoundCloud for new shows. They're posted there first. I haven't updated the website in a while, but... That's okay. They're always on the SoundCloud when a new show comes out. So thank you so much. We'll see you next time. This has been Sex and Science Hour. 